All right. Welcome to the faithful and those who have joined the faithful. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. Okay, so um, we are going to talk about a, a world of thought, and I have to almost apologize ahead of time because there may be sometimes some concept that I will need to uh, unpack a little bit. Uh, this may be a little more difficult than the, uh, pre the previous uh, presentation, even though, even though I may be pres uh, presuming too much because I'm, I have tried to make it as clear as possible. We will talk about certain philosophers and so forth, but you will see there is a reason why we will be doing that. And in the end, you will see that it is useful. At uh, the, the second section, then I will go back more profoundly to the Bible where we will see, uh, we will rediscover eventually our identity, who we are as Adventists, and it's the most exciting thing in the world. I really believe that. So uh, we, we're going to talk about that. But right away, let me just plunge in, in our topic here reaching contemporary culture because really it's about reaching out to our neighbors, your uh, friends, the people you go to school with and so forth. And I was saying yes earlier that this is the most difficult group to reach today and it's proven. Uh, and I'll come back to that so I'll be more specific about the answer. So reaching contemporary culture, current, uh, current challenges and promises for evangelism. Interestingly, I started working on this about uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. Just starting uh, uh, when I was teaching comparative religions in particular. Uh, but this was basically my, uh, my uh, presupposition. The following presentation is purposed to heighten our awareness of the need to search for effective ways to communicate the everlasting gospel. That, it is, that is really what it is all about. Seeking effective ways to communicate the everlasting gospel, Revelation 14, basically. We face unprecedented challenges from the current generation of men and women. Thoughts, philosophies, religious and mystic traditions, various worldviews are often at odds and compete with a biblical understanding of truth, meaning, and life. That's the current status. Now, also, the, the way, though, the gospel is at times packaged does not seem to resonate with important segments of the population of the Northern Hemisphere, in particular with major city dwellers worldwide. That also is a reality. Statistics are overwhelming, okay, about that. So, testifying to the gospel of redemption, reconciliation, and fellowship is at the heart of the mission of the church. Now, the current status of world mission. Now, uh, the, the reason why I was telling you earlier, I started reflecting on this way, I mean, long before I went to join the Adventist mission. So this is just something that the Lord was putting in place progressively long time ago, and I didn't even know about it. Now, the current status of world mission reveals that the Seventh-day Adventist outreach is most effective 
among people groups whose worldviews are not based on modern, postmodern philosophies or on monotheistic tribal societies. By the way, by monotheistic tribal societies, I mean Judaism and Islam. Okay? We seem not to be very successful among these people group, that is modern, postmodern, and monotheistic tribal societies. It's a different, yes. Yes, so that will be the, uh, you, I think at the end of this presentation, it's going to be clear, okay? That's my challenge my, and my, my objective. So in other words, modern and postmodern mindset, and I will define that very soon, and worldview remain significant challenges. The same also can be said, and I just mentioned that, uh, for on tribal societies, frame of reference, Judaism and Islam. Our pastors, evangelists, and various witnesses, including youth, we are most successful in societies outside of this spectrum. Okay? We seem to be more at ease to relate to modern worldview, a pre-modern worldview. Even in North America, the people we are reaching are more of, well, I mean, they believe in miracles already. You know, many of them believe in God. They also have a religious, they already have a religious frame of reference, okay? We are reaching, I mean, Hispanics coming in this, okay? Many immigrants, and interestingly, the immigrants that we are reaching are, all, are those from the islands coming or from Africa. The African-American community is becoming difficult to reach, especially those who are affluent. So you can see clearly that this is just, we are not being successful regardless of the methods that people use here and there, okay? If you were to know the, uh, the alarming rate of church growth, it's, it's terrible, okay? Now, I remember, it is just interesting, I remember about um, 15 years ago, it was the fashion of the day to talk about secular. So books were written on but all of a sudden it died down, even in the church. And uh, so people, when they talk about mission now, it is so biased, we think mission overseas. But the West is a mission field. Your neighborhood is a mission field. You know, uh, the, I was sharing with um, somebody yesterday, I said, look at the, I mean, England. Now they say 29,000 Adventists, okay? Uh, among them, probably 24,000 from the islands, okay? And if you take away people living in the Bracknell area, you know, around Newball. So we are not being as successful as we should be anyway. Let me just move on to say this then. Church growth in America, the same thing. So the most challenging mission field is not Islam, actually, but this people group. Now, the current missiological challenges uh, call for an urgent increase and well-informed awareness of the various presuppositions and school of thought. We need to understand people in order to communicate with them effectively. Now, true, God can override and, you know, help us to reach, but what we can do when we know 
who people are, I mean, the way Jesus did it, then is much better or more productive. Now, to state it humbly, it could be helpful for today evangelism to develop a familiarity with how various people groups relate to meaning, knowledge, reality, and truth. Okay, this being said, uh, let me just say this. The term, let me start with that, the term postmodern has become a fashion today. Uh, you know, old people talk about postmodernism and so forth. However, we must be aware that any periodization, meaning putting history into time period, uh, of history creates problem. It is not, not, uh, it is not neutral. Why is the period between roughly 700 to 1500 of our common uh, era mm, called Middle Age? Why Middle Ages? Okay, how about uh, <laughs> the derogatory term, the expression Dark Ages? Who chose these terms? Why? Okay, uh, who coined the term Renaissance? Renaissance literally means rebirth. But Rebirth from what? Okay. So uh, then, why did most Western philosophies take root in events related to the so-called enlightenment? Why? These things are not neutral. Actually, uh, what was the initial connotation of the word modernism? Where does it come from? We need to be aware. You know, we can... Ignore all this and say, well, all we need is the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit asks us also to know how people think so that we can relate to people intelligently. I think that is extremely important. Why then the label postmodernism? You know, this, this is amazing. Why call a, a, a phenomenon, a philosophy, a way of life postmodern? What's your name? Midi? Okay. So uh, imagine his name is Midi, and I look at him and, and just call him, uh, well, not Midi. Okay? So, so postmodernism then is defined in relation to modernism. See? But why? For the first time. Okay. Uh, this question, therefore, begs for answers, and let's try to look a little closer. Uh, okay. Wright Mills, writing in 1957, said, we are at the ending of what is called the modern age, just as antiquity was followed by several centuries of oriental ascendancy. You know, antiquity, oriental ascendancy, and that's, by the way, biased also, even in the way it is formulated, but no problem. Let's continue. Which Westerners uh, provincially called the Dark Ages... So now, the modern age is being succeeded by a post-modern era or period. Okay, uh, let me go back. It is unquestionable. A new era has dawned upon the world we live in. It is unquestionable. The need to better understand it is pressing in light of the end-time end time gospel commissioning. This is not just about intellectual knowledge. Understand this very clearly. Actually, <laughs> the Lord took me away from the academic world because he wanted me to bring 
to everybody in every kind of setting what only a few people are privileged to know in some particular settings. I really believe that. Okay? Now, think about this. A mindset, a mentality, a worldview does not happen overnight. The contemporary scene is inseparably connected to previous epochs, visions of life, and concepts. So in order to communicate effectively with postmodern, we may benefit from excavating the soil of their presuppositions. What are the ideas behind? Do you know every time you say something, there is a logic behind? Okay? And, and communication is difficult because, <laughs> because we don't know what people think. I have no clue. Even when you come this morning and tell me good morning, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Until you explain really what you have in mind. What, okay, what does it mean? No, you didn't tell me good morning. That was rude of you. But anyway. <laughs> but when you say good, what does it mean? You see, he's thinking. Okay. I, I guess it would mean that I hope that you're having a good morning. Okay, all right. So he's just inventing now something. But, he, <laughs> well, uh, no, but this is something that natural, of course, you know, it is a good wish. But what do you have in mind when you, have, when you say good morning? I have no clue. I'm sorry? Sometimes it's blank. It is a formula. I mean, it is, it is a well-intentioned, good. But for someone, it means, I wish you peace. For another one, it means, oh, uh, I hope you will, you will have a good day without trouble. For another one, etc., etc., etc. But that, I will only know that logic behind what you say if, if I give you the chance to express yourself. You know, there are so many words that we use. Okay, um, let me say, let me use the word okay. Yeah? Okay means okay, I agree. Or, but okay was a military language actually initially. It meant zero killed. When people went to battle <laughs> and then come back, you know, and then I say, oh, instead of saying, is everybody okay? I mean, in good health, uh, not harm, so forth, they'll just say okay, meaning zero killed. Okay? But we use it now for something else. It, most of the things, even when you say important, what are you really saying? You know, we could, anyway, I don't want to be distracted, so let me go back to, <laughs> okay, so uh, you see, I just say, okay. <laughs> so these presuppositions may be conscious choices or simply the unconscious fashion of the day, you know, French, French would say l'air du temps, okay? Now, let me move on to say this. Uh, bear with me. I'm going to go fast on this one, but I will make it simpler after this section. According to Slattery, postmodernism, now we are in the, um, in the section of definitions, you know, trying to understand what is this phenomenon, okay? Uh, it can be understood at least 11 different perspectives. That's the most comprehensive I've found. Eleven. One, postmodernism is an emerging historical period that transcends the modern industrial and technolog technological age. There was a time, it was the modern era, industrial, technological age. You know, we have no idea, but the industry, the industrial revolution, brought a new era 
And before that, how was the world we have? No clue. There was a shift. So postmodernism came after the industrial era. Also, it is the contemporary aesthetic style in art and architecture. The building that you see around you are not neutral, by the way. Nothing is neutral. They all send a message the way they are built. Because people did not build like this. You go to Paris, London, and New York, and so forth. The architectural style is not neutral. Architectures are moved by ideologies. Okay? So postmodernism has also is its aesthetic makeup. The world did not look like the way it looks now. And there's a reason for that. Also, postmodernism is a social criticism of unified systems economical, po uh, political organization, and so forth. It is a critic of liberalism, communism, and so forth. Let me move on. Uh, it is a philosophical movement that seeks to expose the internal contradiction of stories, meta-narrative, by deconstructing them, uh, questioning the, the idea of truth, questioning the idea of language, knowledge, and power. Okay, let me move on. It is also a cultural analysis. Let me move on. It is also a radical eclecticism. Huh? Uh, also, it is a movement that attempts to go beyond the materialistic philosophy of modernity. Some people thought materialism, you know, is the answer of everything. But many people today are saying, no, 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 there must be something else. Why do people, and even young people, turn to Asian religions? It is not by chance. Okay? There is a, a, a kind of disenchantment or a disappointment uh, um, with, with reference to how people live and how the world operates. Now, let me continue. There's also uh, today Postmodernism is an acknowledgement and celebration of otherness, differences, diversity. Why do you think people talk about today, you know, uh, difference uh, from racial, gender perspective, acceptance of other people? Do you think it is by chance you have the kind of churches that try to appeal to, uh, you know, to uh, people that call emerging churches and these kind of things? It is not by chance, because people, uh, people are seeking uh, variety, differences, and so forth, so on. Also, this is um, hmm, a momentous historical period marked by a revolutionary paradigm change that transcends the basic assumption, uh, patterns of operation, and cosmology of the previous modern age. In the modern age, people used to think, well, well, let me come back to that because it is coming. What is the modern age? The way people used to think is questioned today. Also, uh, this is an ecological, ecumenical worldview beyond the modern obsession with dominance and control. Last week, people were meeting in Europe about climate change. Notice how the world was mobilized to make it happen. Why is that? 
they are saying, hey, you are destroying the earth. It is not by chance. That's past modern thinking that led to these kinds of awareness. Okay? Uh, also, finally, just, this is also a, uh, a post-structural movement toward decentering. No? No center. And there is a reason for that. Now, that was complicated. Let me try to make it now a little more. You know what I did with Islam? About what the problem, solutions, and so forth. So I'm going to do that now with postmodernism. But I wanted this for you to immerse a little bit in this world that seems complicated of postmodernism, but it really is not. But we need to develop understanding of this phenomenon if we ought to communicate the gospel in a way that is relevant. The name, postmodernity, it is a noun meaning, <laughs> uh, modern means now, just now. It comes from the Italian, modo, mean just now. The, you know, uh, <laughs> there was antiquity and so forth, but when they, uh, when they realized that a new era had dawned upon the world, how to call it? A thinker did not find anything better to say or to label it than just now, modo, modern. So modern was what was current. So what is past modern? Well, after just now. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to take it literally, it was after just now. Meaning, okay, so what do you have? What are the characteristics of past modernism? Disbelief. It is not by chance. There is a reason for that. Disenchantment and disillusionment. Disbelief, disenchantment, and disillusionment. It is not by chance that people don't go to church in Europe, in typical postmodern cities and, and settings. Why? Because they see the problems in history. Actually, let me just say this. Postmoderns typically think that human beings have failed one another. You following me? So if you come with your gospel, they will say, ha, ah, you too, you are part of the problem. Why do they think that we are part of the problem? Why are people disenchanted? Why are people disillusioned? Why are people disappointed? Well, think of it. Abuse of power. Or fear of abu uh, abuse of power. Control. Ideological and ecclesiastical domination or dominance. Manipulation of masses by various ideologies. This is what they saw in history. Oppression. Wars, including wars of religions. So they think we are part of the problems. And this is the way people, even if they are not consciously thinking like that, it pervades everything. Now, also, slavery, colonialism, holocaust, ethnic cleansing, they see what human beings have done to other human beings. If, you know, the modern era was a time of the Industrial Revolution. Think about it. Progress. People thought we can do all things. You know, we will be able to do. 
progress in so many areas, medical, I mean, economic, industrial, you name it. People flying and, you know, life becoming easier, but at the same time, subjugation of people, exploitation of people in mines. Think about it, because industrial revolution needs also, right, energy. Where do you get the, the energy? While we are sitting comfortably here, people are work, working in mines, dangerous places, etc., etc. So at the same time, there was progress. At the same time, you have dehumanization. You following me? Dehumanization. Uh, uh, and this is part of the problem as, as they see it. So what are the solutions? For modern, postmodern suspicion and rejection. And I'm talking about your brothers, your sisters, your, your children. They go to school. This is also what they learn. Look, you know, subject, uh, th therefore, subjectivism. You come with your objective truth, they say, well, that's just your opinion. That's how people think, you know, pluralism. Well, and then relativism. Okay, this is, you breathe <laughs> in this kind of atmosphere on a daily basis. Okay, now, imagine, why is this important? Well, it is important because if I don't understand this, I will speak the truth to some people in a way that makes no sense to them because they think I am part of the problem. So we need to clear, okay, background information, and that will give an answer to the idea of, uh, mm, you know, I was telling you earlier, for those of you who are not accustomed to this kind of, I mean, <laughs> um, uh, bombardment of information, you know, it may be overwhelming, so this is why I stop and say, okay, let me give background information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? But you can understand everything that is said here. Nothing is really complicated. You may not be, uh, you know, familiar, acquainted with the names and so forth, or philosophers and so but it doesn't matter. Okay, look at this. Prelude to the pre-modern, uh, to, uh, to the postmodern was the modern era. The modern world, let's look at anatomy of its meaning, the human condition in modern terms. In the modern era, the root was the speed of the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. Renaissance, meaning there was a time of death, basically, during the Middle Age, that, that, that they called the Dark Age. Renaissance means, oh, the, in antiquity we had philosophers, great ideas. So Renaissance is to bring those freedom from that era, the antiquity, back into life. And, and then enlightenment, meaning people now are more aware. Think about it. During the Middle Age, there was ecclesiastical domination. The Catholic for Church, you know, in the Middle Age, dominated, and also the, the Eastern Church. Um, ecclesiastical authorities used to control things. Okay? And the time of Galileo and so forth brought a new era to say, oh, no, no, no. Uh, the center of the world is not the Catholic Church or the church, but human beings, reason, etc. Empiricism, rationalism, reason. Empiricism, what you can uh, measure. 
what you can see empirically, that is valid and valuable. Anything else, religion or ideas that are beyond that. So there was a new vision of reality. What is the essential worldview? Epistemology meaning the science of knowledge. How do you know things? So the knowledge principle is that truth and reality can be discerned primarily through the five senses. Okay? Anything beyond that, discard it. Also, uh, empiricism, what you can measure, see, rationalism, what you can reason, are the central and final criteria for truth. You can feel what the implications would be about that. If only what you can think, see, think, measure can be considered truth, then of course that will create what? That will exclude all idea about revelation, for example. And guess where it will lead? Let's continue. So philosophers great, who greatly inform the set of beliefs current in, the, in modernism are uh, Friedrich Hegel, uh, promote a radical rationalism illustrated in his famous dictum. The rational is real, uh, the rational is real, and the real is rational. Don't talk about supernatural, therefore. That is what is behind this. Okay? What you can measure in a laboratory, fine. Beyond that, discard. Bertrand Russell advocated the verifiable principle, you know, that any proposition, anything that you say, that is claimed to be true must be verifiable by rational empirical methodologies, otherwise it is meaningless. Now, it is not overnight that people stopped going to church in Europe. There was milk given to these people throughout, uh, I mean, for centuries, that led to the current status of what we call past or secularism. Secular meaning the present, by the way. Meaning you take away anything that is religious. Separation. What do you think that the idea of separation of church and state just you know, came overnight? No, no, no. This, you ought to know your world. The way people think today is the result of many things, currents and trends. So this being said, where do we go from there to the past modern? So I call this the, the past modern shift. In the world of uh, a French philosopher, uh, past modern can be past modern can be defined as incredulity towards the meta narrative, meaning you disbelieve, you have a resistance towards grand stories. Grand stories like what? Well, the stories of the Bible the story of your uh, lineage, the story of your, uh, uh, your tribal group, your ethnic group, your, your government, big stories, invalid. Think about this. He says, any story claimed to meta-narrative status, according to postmodern critic, only disguises how those in power suppress the marginalized. So your story or stories are used just to suppress it is used for control, they will say. Remember what I was telling you about control? <laughs> you know, everything that people say in this perspective is just a mean, you know. 
oh, we are, uh, our ancestors did this or did that, that is just propaganda to, you know, to control other people, they will say. Notice, they say, since no story can claim ultimate truth, all stories are equally fictitious. Now, also, this suspicion towards the structures of power has characterized most postmodern thinking. Uh, so, suspicion, you are really, hmm, uh, I don't know. So, you wonder why people don't commit, because you are committing to something that can manipulate you, something that can control you, some, you said, something that can dehumanize you. And the, the history of the sects throughout history and recent history is pushing people to say, well, 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 no, I don't want any involvement. Okay? Now, you understand, I was telling you at the beginning, we are more successful with pre-modern because it's simpler. But people who come to challenge us, you know, uh, then it is more challenging. Anyway, uh, so he said, uh, uh, and by the way, an, another, a French philosopher, it's not by chance that, uh, you know, the French Revolution and also postmodernism, most postmodern thinkers, it started there in France, intimated that apparently innocent concepts, institutions, and practices can hide repellent devices for control, manipulation, and oppression. Family, woman, Chastity, school, beauty, virtue, truth serve as instruments of social order and control. Hmm? Now, it's like mm, you, you can think about, okay, many Hindu practice Hindu, but they may not be aware of the philosophy behind Hinduism. So maybe some of you are even past modern without even knowing it. <laughs> okay, or you have adopted parts or va va variation thereof. Let me move on because today I want to be, uh, well, okay. Feminist critics also question the very foundation of the philosophical tradition of rationality, which they suspect to have functioned as an instrument of social control. It's true. There was a time when, you know, well, women are inferior, I mean, etc., etc. Even in the Middle Ages, some people were wondering if women have soul, you know. You're smiling today, you know? <laughs> but, but think about it. Uh, after, as we go, and even in the modern era, it was a time when, you know, hey, who hold the powers? It changed recently that we have women in, you know, uh, position. It's not by chance. By the way, the ills, abuses, and confusion in history have certainly contributed to create in the psyche of postmodernists a kind of paranoia of power exercise. There is a saying, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Where does it come from, this thinking? Okay? Let me translate that in French, because I know there are few French speaking here. Le pouvoir corrompt. Le pouvoir absolu corrompt absolument. Okay? All right. So, Every opportunity I have, I need to clean myself from English, so I speak French now. <laughs> okay, uh, some people are going to sue me here, but it's okay. Many well-intentioned leaders, though, have demonstrated, and that's true, that human beings have a deep-seated inability to handle power. 
this unfortunate situation tends to justify the suspicion towards the exercise of power. And even in our midst sometimes, you have people hungry for power, you know. Uh, and there was a fashion about leadership, you know, and so forth. All this, we tend to say, well, you know, well, at least justify this suspicion. Now, many Christian leaders, of course, responded to this challenge by talking about servant leadership. That's a good step, but not good enough. Okay. Uh, a concept that begs for total allegiance to Christ's life and selfless service, totally dedicated to the well-being of people, according to the true meaning of the word authority. Now, maybe I need to just say this. Okay. The word authority is one of the beautiful words of our language. You know why? Authority comes from a Latin word, augere. And augere means to, to, uh, bring fruit, uh, to bring forth, to, uh, to bring fruit, to cause people to bear fruit. You see what I'm saying? In other words, when you have authority, normally it should qualify you to create authors. If you have authority, it means that you cause other people to be authors. But usually, in our system, and even in our circles, authority means I can dictate to anybody, everybody, what they have to do. That is the corruption of authority. Now, postmodern, therefore, you know, say, oh, yeah, okay. It's just a device for control. Now, okay, let me just, what are the assumptions and implications? Now, I'm becoming, now, notice what I do. Probably I went more complex to a little more uh, clear in terms of now the focus. One. What are the assumptions? There are no pure objectives or absolutes. No absolutes, in other words. You cannot claim that there was a creation. Well, that's your view. That's what they would say. Truth is relative to the individual. It's your truth. Now, this is postmodern thinking. Okay? <laughs> Let me give you one example. The other day, I mean, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian in my home. I inculcate to my children Christianity, biblical values, and so forth. But guess, when I say something, and, and it sounds really strange to my son, uh, or surprising, he would say, Daddy, for real? Why this expression, for real? Um, it's not innocent. That's the way of, you know, people, we think, is that reality? Does it correspond to reality? Or is it just one of the options? Okay? Or is it true in that sense? Anyway, morals, ethics, and other propositions are relatives to one's own opinion. Why do you think people like gay marriages and all these things are coming to the front today. It's not by chance. People today, I mean, before central worldview, God, even in the modern era, philosophers, they would believe it. There was, there's a cosmic order. Not anymore. Marriage, oh, yeah, that's yours, your definition, but there may be another one and maybe even another one. Now, I'm sharing this with you so that we know what kind of world we're living in when we communicate the gospel. You, you share the gospel with a Hindu? Well, no problem. Things are defined. 
With the Muslim, things are different. With postmodern, it's more eclectic. Okay. Uh, any proposition is interpreted by the one who considers it. Do you know this is how people teach in universities now? The way you write your papers and extra, you know what I'm talking about. It's not just by chance, also, different meanings for different interpreters. Okay? You read your Bible, you come to Sabbath school. <laughs> that is interesting. You know, uh, you know, I was Sabbath school director in France. When you go to some places, um, people discuss, you know, around a table and so forth. At the end of the day, do we have a consensus about this says the Lord? That's not what people seek when they discuss in Sabbath school sometimes. I mean, I cannot generalize, okay? But many times it's my opinion. I think my perspective is, etc. But, but, but how about what the text? Objective, absolute. Well, it, that's just how you see it. Am I hitting home here? You see, it seems theoretical and the oh, postmodernism and so forth. No, but the, the, these are something. So, no transcendental, uh, transcendent central reality with an overall purpose to reveal. No intention out there. That is the person I meet in the street. Now, you understand, it's easier to talk to a Muslim. It's easier to talk to a, uh, to a Buddhist. Even though, the, <laughs> yeah, that's another, you know. Okay, pitfalls though. If we really, now, notice, there are some things that are legitimate, criticism of our attitude in terms of control power, manipulation, the wars, a complex of superiority, uh, you know, ethnic uh, differentiations, the wars, and you name it. Yes, actually, I am among those who believe what is happening is in, in society is a rebuke because of false Christianity. I don't know if you hear me. What is happening in society is a call for you to really bond again with genuine, authentic Christianity. Because the deep values people are really seeking or searching are those that you have or that you have neglected to promote. Okay? So, postmodernism has a legitimate side, which is a critique of how we live our Christianity. But also, there's a illegitimate side. Pitfalls, for example, if truth is relative, if there's no central transcendental authority, then this interpretation of reality has far-reaching implications that logically leads to what? The dismissal of the following. One, all God's supernatural uh, interventions are dismissed. Why do you think people try to prove that, well, the exodus did not really happen? The Red Sea wasn't open. That was just, you know, the water receding temporarily. And so, why? Because it doesn't fit the empirical, you know, the observable in a sense of measurable. There is no witness anyway. So, you know, that's just one person's biased opinion, meta-narrative or grand story trying to control everybody else. By the way, let me plead with you. 
do not ever please think that these are just theoretical things. In evangelical Christianity, there is an anti-intellectual strand. People think you don't need to study. You know? All you need is you know, the Holy Spirit and, and so forth and so on. You need to understand the questions people are asking. Why they are asking these questions? What is the story about it? You know, what are the implications? You need to, otherwise, again, Adventism is growing leaps and bounds among uneducated people or illiterate people. But how about the educated? How about the thinkers? We have a message for everyone, allow me to emphasize. But we sit, I'm sorry to say this, but we sit as if, well, you know, I'm, no, I don't need to. Do your homework, open yourself, study. Okay? It doesn't mean embrace. <laughs> we need to be critical, of course, you know, uh, uh, towards postmodernism or any philosophy. Actually, you, do you know why? I will talk about that in the second section where I'll be more focused on the Bible. We need to be pro prophets, prophetic critics. Not just endorsing wholesale. You know, some people will see what is happening in society and say, oh, wow, let's create an emergent church. That is uncritical. You know, people behave like this, so, okay, let's adapt to our message. Oh, this is the style of music that they use, let's use the same style. That's uncritical. That's naive. You know, <laughs> when I want to listen to good music, I go to a concert hall. The church is not my primary source to listen to excellent music. I'm sorry to say that. But why? Because there are some people who are practicing on a daily basis. Hours, I'm a musician. I know what I'm talking about. Eight hours to perfect their practice. When they play, it's I mean, exquisite and immaculate and you name it. When I come to church, I come to church for something deeper than, music, than good music. Now, it doesn't hurt to, get, I mean, to have good music, of course, right? <laughs> But, 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 but you understand what I'm, what I'm talking about? It's not about entertaining people. It's not about gimmicks. We have something deeper to offer. Now, let me move on to say here, of course, the virgin birth, you cannot prove that. Therefore, it, So this is why we're closer to Muslims, right? They believe in the virgin birth. Past modern, that's a myth, they would say. How about... Resurrection, you cannot prove it. Ascension, either. How about, and all of the miracles, by the way. Why? Because anything that cannot be verified in the laboratory or the couch of the psychiatrist, dismissed. Okay, how about prophecies? <laughs> huh? Rodney. I, I saw Rodney earlier. Did he apostatize? No, he's here. <laughs> was, it, was that a nice way to say it, you know? You can talk prophecy to Muslims. They will listen. Wonderful. To postmodern, it's irrelevant. How about sanctuary in heaven? Come on. Great controversy, overall purpose of God, inspiration of, script, of, of scripture, questionable. Why? No grand story, no meta-narrative. How about the very existence of God is relegated to preference. Well, that's your preference. Okay? Now, 
A broader perspective reveals that postmodernism is the chain of reaction and of rejection. Fundamentally, let me repeat, a disillusionment. And this calls you to authentic Christianity. One, toward modernism, you know, disillusionment. Because they say modernism, no. Rationalism, uh, all this, no, no, no. It is also a disillusionment, a protest towards secular institutionalism. They don't believe in government either. Why? Do you know why? They say these are just instruments of power to manipulate people. And to a certain degree, it's true. And by the way, even the media, <laughs> sometimes even Adventists are, 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 I mean, are caught in this. Whatever is seen on TV becomes the model for you to buy. What is that? Who decides? You know? So, critical attitude towards institution. How about also religious institutionalism? It is not by chance, even, and there's no exception, you find parallel movements. You know, I mean, it can be a blessing, definitely. And I'm not here to criticize, but that's part of the, you know, life today. I want to create my own ministry. It's mine. Not the church, but mine. <laughs> I mean, we think that we are not affected by this way of thinking. If the conference did not give me the kind of recognition, I'm going to create my own church. If the general conference does not, well, let me create a parallel ministry. I'm going to find my niche. That's a typical postmodern attitude. No central authority. No way. Why? Because we want to create our own things. Let me stop it here because we are recorded, you know? <laughs> no, I was just saying that to forget. So, towards all forms of manip uh, manipulation, totalitarianism. What is happening in the world? It's not by chance. Why is there like a coalition against so-called dictators? All of a sudden, one by one, they are leaving the world. I mean, those who are not powerful enough, that is, to threaten everybody else. Anyway, postmodernism also, though, has its absolute freedom from religion. Death, a beautiful choice. I do, for now. That's why you have divorce and all these things. Family is who you come home to. Love the one you're with. I'm a woman, hear me roar. Race, colors, everything. History in the remaking, the politically correct. Actually, I found that in a book, The New Absolutes. Let me move on. Despite though this pessimistic outlook, it is predicted that beyond postmodern skepticism and uncertainty, which in itself is a period uh, in itself, a period of transition. We move to a more holistic and spiritual outlook. This is why today the New Age spiritualities are pro proliferating all over the place. Because there's a void. Now let me move on to say this. Meeting the challenges and experiencing the promises. The challenge is to convince postmodern minds that Christianity offers the best of all worldview. By the way, 
Postmodernism is a challenge to Christianity to live up to its beliefs. Okay? Jesus is still the key. I believe he is the paradigm for meaning, truth, and life. What he says, I, I am the way. Ego emi, hehodos, kai he aletheia, kai he zoe. Udeis ergetai proston patera ei medi emu. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That is still valid. But wait, there's something. Christ came and brought a revolution in the way people relate to one another. Think about it, friends. He critiqued the way people relate to power, right? He did. What postmodern are craving after Christ came also to identify and show that there was, there was a power problem. And still there is, by the way. Anyone who is seeking to have power is following some train of thought contrary to Christ. Why did he start the beatitude? Blessed are the what? Poor in spirit. He could have said, blessed are the powerful. Okay? Now, he abolished abuse. He uplifted the unalienable dignity of every human being. If Christ's message was followed, there would be no exploitation ever. There would be no abuse ever. You following me? There would be no putting down of anybody ever. There would be no hierarchy as if some people are more important than others. But you and I have been brainwashed into thinking that, okay, if you have a degree, then you are higher. If you belong to this family, then you are higher. If you have this, etc., money, oh, money, yeah, that God. You are, you know, how much do you, oh, uh, I mean, how much are you worth? Meaning, how much do you earn? So you are the equivalent, you are equated to how much you produce. I think if we follow that logic, we should discard all the babies. They are unproductive. And then old people that are not productive. So you understand why this kind of thinking is totally demonic? Now, think about this. But Jesus came to uplift the dignity of every human being. Jesus minimized the importance of central power by stating that the temple is no longer a place holier than other places. Think about it. That's why you don't need to go to pilgrimage anywhere. Centralized power. You know, going to a certain holy place, not anymore useful. You'll gain nothing by going somewhere because you, you hope to find God there. God say, well, you know, close your door, you are in your room, in the secrecy of your existence. There, speak to the Father. He hears you. Don't need to go anywhere. What a liberation. By the way, you know, okay, where two or three are gathered, um, and then Jesus said, there's another revolution in the teaching of Jesus. Think about this. No people are holier than other people. Finish. No more walls of separation. Over. Now you understand. But these are things past modern. Why do you, th uh, I was uh, at the, whenever I go to a city, if you don't find me, 
look for me, I'm in a bookstore. So uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, when I came, when I arrived, I went to the borders that is not too far from and just sitting. New book, Coalition of Christians uh, writing on justice because they want to relate to the postmodern uh, craving after justice. Why justice? Well, they think, well, there were manipulation, power, abuse, and so forth, so restoration, reparation, justice, etc., etc., etc. But I have not yet come to our unique perspective as Adventists. We have something to share, but these are really, think about it. Jesus came, gender, social status, ethnic belongingness, doesn't matter. Ellen White is radical when she says, for Christ there is no territorial line, no separation. You come from Jamaica, good for you, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you, come, <laughs> it, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter anymore. Why? Because now we are born again, part of one family. It's difficult because the world doesn't function like that. For as, I mean, in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. For as many of you, sorry, this is a typo, you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew or Greek, neither slave or free, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ. You know, Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promises. So Christ Jesus came as the head of a new humanity. I have to stop. Next will be, why are you Adventist? And what do you have to bring to the world? This is almost like a snapshot that I just shared with you about postmodernism. Yesterday we looked at Hinduism a little bit, a different world. Islam, a different world. But we started talking about the gospel, the comprehensive gospel. So I would like to finish talking about how we as Adventists can better understand our role better understand the message entrusted to us, and how can we effectively introduce the good news, Jesus Christ himself, the gospel to other people. But I will let you ask some questions after the pause. We have 15 minutes pause, I understand. Okay, blessings. Those who will not come back, you are free not to do so. We are past modern here. <laughs> But if you do come back, you might be blessed by what we're going to share. Blessings. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org